I am so excited to introduce you to our guest, amiga, hermana, and all-around chingona, Sonia Salazar. She is a mental health therapist and received her master's in marriage and family therapy from Pacific Oaks College. She is a bilingual mental health therapist who works with Latinx and immigrant children, adolescents, families, and young adults in the community that she grew up in most of her life, Echo Park. She recently entered the Early Childhood Mental Health Initiative and is getting trained in the evidence-based practice of child parent psychotherapy. She is a firm believer that when a student leaves to college, they also take their families, community, and intergeneration trauma. Girl, yes, I'm sure we can all relate. She is passionate about bringing awareness to the community of the direct link between mental health and education. Seriously, she is like super chingona. On a personal note, she is the daughter of two Mexican parents and grew up in Lincoln Heights, Bell, and Echo Park, California. Woo woo to all my LA peeps. She loves watching reality TV, documentaries, working out, and chismeando as a form of healing, just like we do. She is a paw parent to Bella and Kaylana, lives with her partner, Jesse, and almost always is unable to collectively decide on where to eat. Girl, we feel you. Welcome, you guys, to the Bestie Bestie Bomb Bomb podcast. We're so excited to have our guest today, Sonia Salazar. Woo-woo! Woo-hoo! Hello, hello, uh, everyone. <laughs> and we're going to be talking today about mental health and therapy. And this is probably such a great time to talk about this topic, being all that's going on in the world. So let's get started. Sonia, can you tell us a bit about your background, what you currently do, and what led you to it? Yeah, so um, I'll start with just a little bit about me and who I am and, and my family. Um, so my mother was a teen mom, and she had me when she was 16. And her and my dad are actually about seven years apart. Um, and their love story began in the uh, neighborhood of Lincoln Heights. Um, I am the oldest of three sisters um, and first one on both sides of my family, mom and dads, to attend college. Um, growing up, my mother worked several jobs. Um, I think she worked several sweatshops in downtown L.A., um, I remember going with her to clean houses, amongst other jobs, uh, before deciding to become a stay-at-home mom. My dad has always worked in kitchens um, since he arrived to the U.S. and continues to express his love through, through food. Um, and he's made his way through, through the kitchens and has now become and earned the title of a sous chef. And he currently very proudly works um, at a golf club. Um, I left to college at the age of 18 uh, without ever visiting the campus. There is no way that my parents had any idea about college campus tours or the importance of finding the right fit for you. So. I clearly remember I looked pictures online about the different college campuses that I was applying to. And UC Santa Barbara definitely um, was sold to me because of the pictures 
of the beach. <laughs> it was right along the beach. So I decided to go there. Um, but I know, I remember that college was always something my parents stressed uh, to my sisters and I. Um, and and it was definitely something that wasn't ever a question whether I wanted to. It was I was going to college. Um, but yeah, I grew up in a, in a very uh, loving home. Um, and definitely being that example for my sisters and my cousins. Um, and currently, I work in community mental health. Um, and for those of you that maybe don't know or, or haven't heard of the term community mental health, it's basically a system of care that acknowledges that our clients or our gentes comunidad, and that involves family, friends, neighbors, is a primary system of care um, that the people we turn to when times are tough are those that surround us. Um, so I work at a nonprofit that's called Children's Institute, and I primarily work with school-aged children, adolescents, young adults. And on the weekends, I also work for another practice that's called El Molino Family Therapy. And there I'm able to provide uh, services to second gen uh, Latinx communities. Amazing. You're a fucking chingona. Yes. I was like, damn, my friend is fucking dope. Badass. <laughs> and also your dad is a bomb ass cook because I've had his cooking and I'm like, and I see what you post about his food is amazing. I totally noted the same thing. I'm like, shout out to Pop. He had his food at parties before. Delish. Yes. So good. I wanted to ask a follow-up question. What led you to become a mental health therapist and work specifically with community health, Sonia? Oof. Um, let's see. I think I was about 16 years old. I can't recall if it was right after my quince or the year after <laughs> that. <laughs> but um, my mom decided to take me to therapy. Um, oh, wow. She didn't ask me. She just said, we going. <laughs> and <laughs> I had no idea that she had actually gone and seek some help or at least research some nonprofits. Um, and, and I know it was a nonprofit because girl, I have Medi-Cal. So that's, that's where I could go. And um, she took me around the age of 15, 16, um, to see a therapist for the first time. And, you know, in her words, um, the reason she had taken me was because ya empezaba a ser teenager. Um, and so that's how she, that's how she explained it. But um, I do know that it was a very tough time. I was, you know, very, I, I went through a period of like being rebellious and being this angry teenager Um and it was my first time, first experience. And I do remember that I was super angry at being there. I had no idea why I had to be there. Um, and after that experience, I remember telling myself internally, quietly in my own thoughts that I wanted to be just like Michelle. And Michelle was the therapist that was working with me. Um, oh, I'm like, Michelle Obama? 
I'm just kidding. <laughs> I wish, girl. <laughs> I wish, I wish. Um, shout out to Michelle Obama. <laughs> yes, Mish, we hear you. One day we're going to bring you on. All right. Yes. Yeah. Put it out into existence, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that was my first time with therapy, um, and it was then that I I decided at the age of, of 16 as a teenager that I wanted to be just like my therapist, um, and I think it came from a place of um, now, you know, years later in, in self-reflection that, you know, Michelle really showed me compassion. Um, she showed me the power of silence and healing through words. And, and most importantly, she validated my experience and, and gave me that space to process my own trauma, what I was going through, my family issues without judgment. And, and that's really what, what led me to do what I do now. I have to say that's so freaking amazing. I mean, kudos to your mom for forcing you to go. I mean, especially because it's such a taboo in our community. I don't know if that's the best use of word, but it's like not always looked at like the most useful or the best place to go just because people often feel lost when it comes to mental health. So I think it's great your mom did that. And and I and I want to say, Sonia, I really relate to growing up. And then I think a lot of us do and just feeling some sort of ways, you know, whether it's anger or just not knowing how to deal with our emotions and then not knowing where to go or who to go to, to deal with them, especially during adolescent times, especially within our community, especially, you know, with, with our families or our parents. Um, So I think that's, that's incredible. Alvia, what about you? How, when you were growing up, do you feel like you got that from your family? Um, no. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think a lot of we just don't talk about our feelings. Um, and and if, honestly, if I think one thing that has come out of this COVID-19 situation is that I've been spending so much time at home. So I'm around my parents so much. And literally like two days ago I had a whole like big breakthrough with my mom and I'm not gonna go into it because I'll probably start crying but um it was just really like powerful and healing and I wish you know we did that more and talked up front about like what we're feeling and what we're going through and what we're worried about or whatever um, I think it's very hard in our communities. I, I'll speak for my family specifically, but it's hard for us to always be like upfront and honest and even like saying sorry. Like when was the last time you got in an argument with your parents and you were like, listen, I'm sorry, or they did that to you. Like um, that has always been kind of like the thing in my house, even till now. Yeah, I yeah, definitely. You know, as you both were sharing, um, you know, I, I know I mentioned my mom said, you know, her her specific wording when I asked her, you know, why you why did you take me to therapy? And, and her first response was like, pues ya ves, empezabas a ser teenager. Um, and I took that as a way of, um, well, well, 
let me backtrack a little bit. She also had mentioned that she was like, you know, ya empezabas a tener tu novio. Um, your dad didn't know how to handle that. You know, he got angry. He didn't know how to talk to you. <laughs> so mm-hmm. as she was sharing that, I kept thinking, yeah, you know, I mean, that this is the way that mom is explaining it. But I think it had to do a lot with my parents not understanding, right? The cultural and social pressures that, that we face as teenagers um, and as a team balancing two different worlds, right? My parents are both Mexican. Um, I was born here in the U.S. And, and the respective values, traditions, processes that come with, with balancing those two cultures. Um, mm-hmm. I think my parents definitely felt like they didn't know what to do. Yeah. And I mean, I don't, I, I'm not necessarily like a trained therapist, but because of what I studied, I did learn some mental health, um, like ways to counsel and work with uh, students. And even my dad will tell me, like, you're just too educated for me sometimes. Like, I don't know how to talk to you because it's like everything I tell you it's like there's something wrong in what I say. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, but what does that tell you? Like we have these arguments back and forth sometimes because it's like we have, you know, they we've done what they wanted us to do, get an education and be become like get good careers, do well, be successful. And then sometimes there's even that gap between you and your own family because you have learned all these things and ways to communicate and talk. And then it's, they don't understand that. And it's hard to communicate and bridge that gap um, at times. I, I totally feel the same way too with my family. Um, and that's a really great point. I didn't think about that. It's kind of wise of your dad, like you're educated and you just talk from a different point of view than from somebody that maybe isn't as educated um, mm-hmm. which is yeah you know I I can totally relate to that too yeah so I mean even speaking about these things that we're talking about right now um, what are some of the biggest issues that you have noted um, in the Latino community and Uh, I think it would be great if you shared any current experiences that you see uh, young people going through during this time of like COVID-19. And how do you think uh, they should combat these issues? Yeah, you know, I'll target one of the biggest ones that, that just really comes to mind and I see in and out with with all the the families or, or adolescents that I work with. Um, and one of the biggest one has to be communication um, between, between the, the, between parents and their children. Um, I think oftentimes they're, they're speaking differently, but they're speaking the same language. And a lot of the, the work that I do and I focus on is just sort of bringing that back into the center of the family and, and doing that in ways of helping the parent um, be reflective and, and try to find the meaning in the way that their children are communicating 
with them and and to be forgiving right that a lot of the times adolescents and school-aged children don't have the words they can't really expand on their thoughts or their feelings and so a lot of the times they do it through behavioral um, actions right acting out talking back slamming the door you name it right and so I think in, in working with the Latino community communication is definitely one of the biggest issues um, in relation to COVID-19 and, and what's happening right now um, and, and this is you know I've been working from home for about three weeks now and there definitely is a lot of anxiety um, one of the biggest issues I think definitely has to do with um, understanding as simple as that just being understanding um, and respectful of each other's experience uh, parents are having to deal with figuring out how they're going to pay rent, right? Um, losing jobs, not having like a steady income coming in. And uh, just to name a few, and the children are having to deal with learning how to do this online curriculum that they sort of just got thrown into with with no warning, with no preparation. They're, they're having to figure it out, Um not being able to socialize in person with their friends, not being able to go outside, which are all things that adolescents need as part of their development and the stage that they're in right now. Um, so it's been a lot of working with parents and listening to them and being able to help the families understand each other's experiences as they're having to live in the same space 24 seven. Mm-hmm. Yep. I actually think that's a great segue to like, what would you say then, Sonia, are some of those top tips that you would give to the adolescents and young Latinos facing these challenges, whether this is around family because they're spending too much time. Elvia knows she got them roommates. <laughs> oh, God, my roommates. <laughs> <laughs> um or education, dealing with the online course, like what are some top tips um, as a mental health expert that you would give to adolescents dealing with emotional challenges and as a whole and maybe specific to what's happening right now? Yeah, I'll share some of the ones that I've actually was um, discussing with a lot of my adolescent clients this, this, this week actually. Um, and one of them was to look at their community, right? And whether that is primos, primas, friends, the neighbor next door, um, and identify those people that they're able to reach out to w- within the limitations, right, of our, our safer at home order at the moment. Um, and to seek out those people that they feel safe with, that um, they're willing to talk to right? Um, That there's nothing wrong with seeking help um, from other people. Um, And to accept the help from others. And and I'll share with you all, um, one of my clients this week um, has been isolating a lot um, because of the COVID-19. Her parents are, you know, very afraid of her, their children getting the virus. So they're not allowing them to go outside. They're not allowing them to go with them to run errands. And my client actually asked 
can we have two therapy sessions a week? And I thought that was amazing for her to advocate for herself that if she is not able to reach out to others, that at least she can use her therapy, right, to to manage and, and, and deal with these emotional challenges that are coming up um, during this, this health crisis. No, I really, I think that's amazing. And that's good when somebody can really recognize that and sort of say, hey, I, I need the extra help. I want to ask, are the resources that you offer or that your organization offers free to the community? Is it insurance-based? I just, when we think about tips, I want to make sure that if people are looking to seek help, if they really need it, or if they just need someone to talk to, um, how are these resources allocated and, and does it cost money? Um, yeah, so the agency that I work for, we have been working really hard in the last um, couple of weeks to compile like a list of resources um, and, and being mindful that they need to be bilingual wide, right for our, our families. Um, and so we're able to share that with them. So for example, um, like housing resources, um, anything that has to do with eviction, uh, food pantries, um, a lot of the LAUSD schools are uh, setting up the grab and go stations for students to go grab food or for the parents that the student doesn't need to necessarily show up. The parent can just say how many people are in their household. Um, tips for uh, engaging their kids in online learning. Um, and so we share a lot of these with our families, uh, with the parents individually or with the, with the students themselves. Um, and, and it's, you know, it's just a way to make sure that they have access to this. I think one of the things that I like to do with um, my teenagers or the adolescents I work with is I'll screenshot um, some of these resources for them and send them through text. Um, and same thing with the families. It's just the easiest way to reach out to them. Um, so giving even the parents tips on, you know, how to deal or manage with their own anxiety that might be similar or different from that to their kids. Um, so really just it, it's a lot about compiling a list and then sharing it with the parents um, depending on their needs. And, you know, I like to be very mindful of not overwhelming them so much because a lot of the times when you're constantly receiving tips, it sometimes moves you towards not wanting to do it. It's like an overload. Mm hmm. Right. You have to you have to you have to do it slowly. What is the need for this week? And as you're sharing these the family is compiling their own resources. Yeah. So what are some, um, when, you know, you're working with clients or just like young Latinas themselves or even uh, something young Latinas should be observant in their family or their nearby community, uh, what are some things that they should look out for in terms of having like non-healthy or alternative coping mechanism mechanisms that they should maybe see either in themselves or in others and maybe, you know, extend themselves more to make an effort to talk to that person, see that they're well, that they're going, that they're coping well through this time. Um, and that you could maybe like give them a conversation starter on how they could possibly talk to a person to see how they're doing. Yeah, some of the things that I constantly um, 
on a weekly basis, um, assess with my clients and, you know, having them put this in their resource toolbox as well is, you know, checking in on how they're doing um, emotionally, how's their mood, how's their functioning um, going on at home? Are they um, engaging in a lot of avoidant behaviors like sleeping in too much or staying or, or the opposite, um, staying up really late? Mm-hmm. Are they isolating? Are they not coming out of the room if they have a room? Are they avoiding family time or conversation? Um are they, you know, engaging in self-defeating behaviors or self-harming behaviors to, to deal with emotions? Um, are they feeling irritable? Are they acting out verbally or aggressively? Um, so these, these are all things that I help them become self-aware mm-hmm. about um, so that we're able to discuss, so that we're able to problem solve and, and able to give them some coping skills to deal with that during this time. Oh, those are yeah. so good. I feel like I need to identify those in myself. <laughs> I know. Oh my God. Well, as you all know, I was laid off. So I had a hard, hard week. So I was definitely sleeping in more than I should and staying up late more than I should. Um, but your girl's going to come back stronger than ever. So such good tips. <laughs> Yeah. Um, So I was also going to add, like, in terms of therapy and stuff, I know, like, in myself, um, I have avoided therapy because I just think of the work you have to do um, to go even to your first therapy session and then continue to go. So when somebody's like super overwhelmed by therapy or they're really anxious or hesitant to seek it, um, how would you tell somebody to start? Like what would be the first baby step you would tell somebody to take if they're feeling like they need to do it, but there's obviously things happening that are kind of keeping them from, from starting. Yeah, one of the very first things that comes to mind is maybe identifying or if you know someone, right, that's taken therapy, um, asking them, asking them with curiosity about their experience, um, what it was like, you know, while they were searching for a therapist during and after, um, so that you can get an idea of what that process is like, um, not not to say that the process of someone in therapy will be exactly the same process for you because it's different for everyone. But I would say starting with that, right? If somebody that you know or somebody in your in your community and your group of friends has done it, definitely asking them if if you have permission, um, if that person feels comfortable sharing with you, right? They don't have to share details, but just sharing about the experience would be one good way because a lot of the times, like I mentioned earlier, um, you know, sometimes people are afraid of the unknown. And so we need like that sense of, of security or wanting to get more info so that we can move forward with it. Um, but I would say that that would be one of the things um, to do if you are feeling overwhelmed or unsure of whether you want to do it or not. Um, 
I think it, I, I really believe in the power of stories and, and individual stories. So that would be one, um, you know, we have access to the internet. So looking stuff up online, even just, you know, Google, uh, like my dad says, Google it. Um, and just, you know, <laughs> type in, <laughs> type in, you know, therapy for Latinx or therapy for Latinos and see what comes up. Um, when it comes to younger uh, adolescents and children, um, I use this a lot. And oftentimes they're brought into therapy because they're being forced, right? Just like I was at 16. And mm-hmm. um, my buy-in is always explaining to them sort of what therapy is, breaking that stigma, right? That um, I'm not here to fix you. Um, You being here doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. It just means that it's a space for you Mm -hmm. to come and talk Mm -hmm. about anything that you want to talk about, right? Friends, Mm -hmm. family, school. Um, And I always tell them, how about we make a deal? How about you meet with me five or six times? See what happens try it out. And after the fifth or sixth time, then I'll check in with you. And I'll ask you, how are you liking it? How are you feeling in this space? And then we'll decide whether you want to continue or not. And knock on wood, I have yet to have a client, a team client that doesn't want to come back. Mm -hmm. And it's all about um, giving them that power, right, that they have a right to choose. So I think a lot of the times therapy for a lot of people seems like, oh, I have to go and I have to fix myself or fix something. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's moving away from that idea. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of tools within ourselves and it's not about fixing, but just improving in the areas that we want to work on. For me, it's all mm-hmm. of the above. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking we need to give our friends like whether you're a young Latina or our age or older, regardless of age, really, like we need to give each other tips and recommendations of therapy like we do with foundation and blushes. <laughs> I, I'm always yeah. the first to get say, girl, you got to try this. I got I to gotta mm-hmm. say the same thing about like, girl, you got to try this. It's called therapy. Check it out. Yeah. Here's who I go see. Um, Mm -hmm. this is so this is a really really good I I think it's a big reflection even I'm sure for our own um, trials and tribulations and obstacles that we're dealing with ourselves and I was just thinking man Sonia's a therapist I wonder if all her friends are always like trying to seek seek like recommendation or therapy from her as as an amiga you know I know I have I'm just saying I wonder if all your other (laughs) girlfriends are like so girl I'm dealing with this boyfriend (laughs) and I'm tired of his ass (laughs) but I'm still here I know (laughs) all right this has been so good Sonia we're gonna start wrapping this up we have a few fall a few more questions that we're gonna ask you um before before we finish so as you know I started Misinformed Latina and the Bestie Bestie Bone Bone podcast because of my frustrations of all the things that I wish I would have known in our 20s and now that we're in our 30 somethings (laughs) (laughs) what do you wish you would have known about life in general inclusive of mental health that you would tell your 20 year old self knowing what you know now Ooh, let's see. 
where do I start? I have like a hundred of them. <laughs> it could be like your top two or, or it could be one thing. I'm sure there's a lot of things you'd be like, girl, if I could start all over, if I was 21. Mm-hmm. I know, right? Let, let me go back and, and uh, work on, on some of these things. Um, That's a really good question. You know, uh, uh, oftentimes, like I said, there's a million things that I can probably come up with, right? And and so, you know, you had mentioned why you had started Misinformed Latina. And I know that, you know, I've been here uh, on your podcast, um, getting interviewed by you and, and Diana and Elvia. And I'm talking a lot about, you know, the work that I do with adolescents. Um, because I really, truly believe that if we can, if we can start the work at an early age, then maybe as a 20-year-old Latina, we could be in a better space and a better place, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's where, yeah. Mm-hmm. And exactly so, and why so I started Misinformed Latina, by the way. Yes. <laughs> yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, so I think I would probably tell myself or my 20-year-old self to continue on the journey to find my personal space or your personal space that lets you bloom, that honors your wounded inner child, that respects your history of trauma, that allows you to have healthy rage, but most importantly, to recreate that space for others once I've arrived there. Oh, so good. Damn, girl. Damn. Throwing the bomb. <laughs> That's a whole nother episode. I know. I know. A whole nother episode. Like, Can we talk a little bit more about that? So what you mean about that? Oh my God. I echo that so that sentiment so much, Sonia, because that's exactly why I started Miss Informed Latina on this podcast. Like Exactly why I learned, right? I was so misguided and misinformed as I left college and started navigating adult life so blindly, um, just because I don't think anything really prepared me for very practical things that I've talked about, like finances or healthy habits, right? Mm -hmm. And my goal is exactly that, like exactly like you said, it's like learning and then give opening up the space or creating the space for others to to learn too right so that's my goal that was like I figured out all these things and had I known this 10 years ago right where would I be today and so I exactly feel the same way like I want young Latinas to be so much more well equipped and prepared and dealing with all the things that you just mentioned so by the time they hit our age um or younger or older uh they just feel so much more confident and they just feel so much better and, and feel well-informed to make the best decisions to live like a prosperous and purposeful life. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. So, you know, if, if we can get, I, I come from the mentality of if we can work with our younger population and, and again, even, even younger than teenagers, like mm-hmm. there's a whole early childhood mental health initiative for zero to five, right? To do preventative work. Um, but if we can start that journey of healing and learning to deal with um, raw and strong emotions, um, 
and mental health and therapy, then we feel more in control of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that will then trickle down to, you know, being confident, knowing maybe at an earlier age, what we want, what we're really seeking. Um, And it's just a ripple effect, right? It just trickles down. Yeah, 100%. Amazing. So speaking about consejitos that you give young Latinas, what has been the best advice you have received, either from like a tia, an abuela, your mom, a coach, a mentor, a previous supervisor, whatever, (laughs) um, that you live by today? Um. I think it's, I think it's going to be just a combination of everyone, like tias, abuelas, mom, friends. Um, and it's a simple one. And I think that will be to always be myself unapologetically. Amen. Mic drop, we're done. <laughs> She's like, mic drop, I'm right, I'm out. See you guys later. Okay, bye. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go be myself on a podcast. Bye-bye. <laughs> I'm going to go be myself and self-isolate in my couch. I know. Yep. <laughs> uh, so good, Sonia. This has been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for your time. We so appreciate it. Thank you so much for all the wisdom and advice and real and rawness of what it is to deal with, you know, your mental health. And and we know a lot of people, we know a lot of you are probably um, going through the motions and we feel for you and and just know that we are all in this together and and we will all come out of this stronger. Um, Sonia, uh, any last thoughts, anything else that you want to share with um, our audience and our listeners um, before we wrap this up? Um, yeah, one of the things I, I did want to share, and thank you for the opportunity, um, is I mentioned earlier, I work for a nonprofit called Children's Institute. Um, so during, you know, this current health crisis, um, the, there's a lot of families out there who are in dire need of, you know, thing, things from like basic necessities to resources um, for housing. So my uh, agency has a, currently they have a drive, um, Amazon wish list, and there's other ways to donate as well. So um, if you would like to check that out um, and see how you are able to give back, um, you can visit the website. So if if you if you Google it in the words of my parents, um, <laughs> you can just put you can just put Children's Institute, and it'll be the very first one um, that pops up. Or you can go to Children's Institute um, dot org and just look on there and see you know ways that you're able to give back. We would really really appreciate it. Um, if any of your listeners have any questions um, or just want to connect, um, learn more about mental health, um, whether it's zero to five, adolescent, young adults, um, I can be reached via email at Sonia period Salazar 87 at Gmail. Um, I also have an Instagram account. That's and you know, I'll be completely transparent. I really like to keep um, my personal life and then my professional life somewhat separate because 
let's be honest, I can't really keep it separate mm-hmm. forever. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. Um, but I can be reached via Instagram as well. Um, at Salazar 18. Um, my account is private. But if you would like to reach me there with your questions or comments, um, you can just send me a DM. Glad to her DM. Awesome. But not that way. Uh-huh. Not that way. Though. She, she got a man. She not paid. that way. No, 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 no. We're not trying to see those pics. Okay. This is not love is blind. Okay. That is, it is not that platform. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much.